Oh, good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll continue reading from Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. We're on the 74th Anucheda. So if we look at the Bhagavat Sandarbha, the Bhagavat Sandarbha began with the discussion of Bhagavan and, uh, and his different manifestations. The discussion basically began with an in-depth analysis of Vedanti Tat Tat Vavidas Tat Vamyaj Janamadvayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate. And since Jiva is going to devote a whole Sandarbha to Paramatma, and since there's nothing you can say about Brahman, because it has no attributes at all, except it is Brahman. Um, Therefore, this Bhagavat Sandarbha begins began with the discussion of the characteristics of uh, a Bhagavan, and now at this stage in the book, so a beginning understanding of of this 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead as Bhagavan. All strength, beauty, wealth, fame, knowledge, renunciation. And then an explanation of various of his various shaktis, his various energies. And now at this stage in the book presentation, Jiva Goswami is has gone to efforts to make it clear that his transcendental abode is non different from himself. Same characteristics. It's part of his uh, internal nature. And it, like himself, is not affected in any way by the external energy. And despite what some may say, no one falls from there. So. We're finishing up right now with the discussion of Vaikuntha and its nature. And the last Anucheta we completed, or the one before last. I'm sorry, which one are we on now? Uh, well, we're on 74, but I'm going back to 72 and just reading a summarization of the characteristics of Vaikuntha as Jiva's presented them in the Anuchetas up to this point. So he's mentioned that it, the Vaikuntha realm cannot be attained by result-oriented action. Uh, it's beyond the visible material world and no one falls from there. Um, it's attained only by those who are firmly situated above the gunas of material nature. It's a seat of unalloyed being. In other words, anybody that's a resident of the Vaikuntha realm, there's no mixture as far as their ultimate objective. They're pure. They're unalloyed. It's like pure gold. There's no mixture in there of any other desire except uh, that of, of serving the Supreme. Um, Vaikuntha is beyond the material nature. It's eternal and it can be attained only by bhakti. And which decries even the concept of Brahman realization. So those are all qualities of Vaikuntha, including no one falls? These are all things that Jiva Goswami has brought out in his Anuchetas as far as the characteristics of Vaikuntha and how we should how we should see it, especially when, when we come across it in Shastra. Mm. And uh, the last thing he... he ended with is it is by nature eternal, full, full of consciousness and bliss. So that was a summary from the 73rd Anucheta and then this 72nd Anucheta, the 73rd Anucheta which we just completed last 
class uh, was mentioning that Vaikuntha has unlimited manifestations and those manifestations how do they put it numerous manifestations and they could also be manifest the Vaikuntha planets within the material realm within the shell of a universe you can have a Vaikuntha planet it does not mean that when the universe wraps up the Vaikuntha planet is infected in any way. Wait, can you repeat that again? That's really confusing to me. The shell? I'm confused. Okay. In the last class we went over uh, a description as given by Shiva. Right. Okay, which was an explanation of what the material shells composed of. Basically, a manifestation of the Supreme Lord Purusha Avatar, which there are three manifestations, Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, and Kashira Dakshai Vishnu. So the Karna Dakshai Vishnu lies down in the Karna Ocean, which is basically an ocean coming from himself of, they say, his, his, his transcendental perspiration, Sometimes it's referred to. When we talk about Karna, though, it's more like the the ocean of... Uh, well, all the elements are coming from him, so the Karna ocean is just the causal ocean. It's the place where he rests before he, he creates a cause for us. So that manifestation from him... The comparison is given to our breathing. He exhales and out comes a, a Shakti of his in a very primordial state. Uh, it's the first manifestation of what we would call the material elements. Now Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita mentions there are three major Shaktis. There's unlimited Shaktis from the mm -hmm. Supreme, but there's his internal Shakti his marginal Shakti. And then he has in the third that's unconscious. It has no awareness. His internal potency is fully aware. And his marginal potency, well, that's us. We're somewhat aware depending on where you put us. So if you put us in a good place, we'll become more aware. And if you put us, you take us out of the sunlight and put us in the darkness, we become less aware, so uh, so we're like Tatasta. We'll go, we'll go which one, whichever, whichever way our environment is. That's kind of the way we'll go. So the shell question you had is, what do, what do we mean by the shell? So. Karnadakshai, Vishnu, he's relaxing and all of a sudden he's, he, he, there's an output of energy beginning with, with material energies in its most prime, primordial state, life air, Pradhana. Then from there, Mahatattva, which is a conglomerate of all the elements. And then... Uh, 
that outpouring of energy supposedly coming from his pores, it turns into, in due course of time, uncountable material universes. And those uncountable, uncountable material universes are somewhat like an egg. They have a shell, but the shell is from the grossest to the most subtle manifestation of material energy. It's, and each layer of the shell is said to be ten times thicker than the other, starting with the earth layer. From our angle, right? From our angle, yes. And the 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 closest layer, the earth a, uh, shell, is uh, is ten times thicker than the whole universal manifestation that rests within it. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine it's you know. By the time you get to the ball syndrome. Yeah, it's it's huge, you know. So we're we're pretty well protected in there. No one's going to get us. <laughs> of course. Anyway. We won't go there. So your question was? How is like... That's the shell. But like, but like there was the shell, but like, you were saying like... When the universe, when the universe has become unmanifest, Uh if, well, the Lord can manifest a Vaikuntha planet. He did it for Dhruva. Yeah. He can, and that's going to come out out in this very annotated we're about to begin that he also did it, does it at other times. So he can manifest, and of course, when he comes, well, he brings his whole, he brings his whole atmosphere with him. He doesn't, you know, he wants to entice us into that spiritual realm. So it is Vaikuntha wherever he is. Mm-hmm. It's Vaikuntha, but that Vaikuntha is eternal. It's not like a temporary Vaikuntha. So when the material manifestation is unmanifest, that spiritual planet remains. Mm-hmm. So that's the point. It's we have to understand it is fully transcendental, like the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, so this evening's stand of Cheda, Vaikuntha self manifests like the Lord's body self-manifests. It doesn't require some external energy. It doesn't require the material elements. It doesn't require the gunas. It it, it self-manifests like the Lord self-manifests. Like the Lord, he can, he can, he's everywhere and he can manifest a form anywhere and everywhere that he likes, whenever he likes. Under any condition he wants. He's not bound. He's not even bound by Shastra. He can he can he could he can pop out of a pillar. You know. He could appear in and every species of life. And it's and the Shastra says he does. We don't have we have some explanations of him him not appearing in human society as a tortoise, as a fish, Matsya. Uh, sometimes it's half man and half something else. You know, so he's perfectly free to manifest. So similarly, what this Anocheta, what Jiva's going to show is, he can also manifest a Vaikuntha planet anywhere and everywhere, mm-hmm. if he wants, wh- under whatever condition. 
So we'll read a little of this Anucheta. Therefore, just as the Lord's body self-manifests in this material world, similarly, scriptures describe that at different times, one of the various abodes of the Lord self-manifests somewhere in the world. As Sri Sutta states in the 8th canto, 5th chapter, Vaikuntha was the wife of the sage Subra. From them the Lord himself appeared as Vaikuntha, a partial manifestation. So he was an Amsa, he wasn't a full, you understand that the Lord can appear either with all of his potencies or just some of his potencies. Or he may, he may invest some of his potencies in a jiva. And we call that a vesh, an avesh manifestation. So this particular manifestation of the Lord Vaikuntha, who was born of Vaikuntha, through the sage, um, you know, the wife of the sage Subra, um, he was he was he didn't manifest all the qualities wealth strength fame beauty knowledge and renunciation if he did he 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 manifested not in the full uh, full mm -hmm. capacity so he's referred to as a partial manifestation amsa along with gods who were also known as vaikunthas so he came and he came with other gods known as Vaikunthas, being requested by goddess Rama, Lakshmi, in order to please her, the Lord manifested a planet named Vaikuntha. So the whole Vaikuntha, they made a house out of it called Vaikuntha, they had, Vaikuntha was there, and Vaikuntha had all of his associates, and they were also called Vaikuntha, and his mother was called Vaikuntha. Just to confuse us. <laughs> well, just to make it easy. Easier or harder. <laughs> to which so, all the universes bow down. So he's quoting from Shastra? This is know? this is in the eighth canto. Really? Yeah. Eighth canto, fifth <laughs> chapter, verses four and five. Now how Prabhupada translated it I don't know. This is But we've heard of the Vaikuntha manifestation of the Lord. So this is just giving us, well, this is how the verse is translated. And maybe Prabhupada didn't translate it with this amount of detail. I notice a lot of these translations, just like Vishwanath's translations. Vishwanath has the original Sanskrit verse and then he translated it into Sanskrit. So like if you read like Banu Swami's translation of Vishwanath. Understand that Vishwanath wrote in Sanskrit the way he wanted the Sanskrit verse translated. So he had a certain way he wanted it presented. Now sometimes when you read those in comparison to the way Prabhupada translated the verse, you'll see that the whole outreach, the Bhagavatam is reaching out through the Acharya, to society, to humanity, at a certain point in time. Vishwanath's audience was definitely much different than Prabhupada's audience. 
So the Acharya is reaching according to the audience. Just like your Guru Maharaj will say, I may speak too high for some or too low for others. I hope you all enjoy the lecture. (laughs) (laughs) So you speak according to the capacity of, or you may speak above or below. Uh, In the beginning, um, basically, I can be remember first when I came to the Krishna consciousness movement, I was told, don't worry about understanding anything. Just sit in the class and hear. If you don't understand anything, it's okay. Of course, that's okay for a little (laughs) while, but... You, you eventually you have to start putting the pieces together, you know. Uh, but it's a fact. In the beginning, the what the it's completely bewildering. All these Sanskrit terms and words and what what do you mean? What that say? And, you know. So, Jiva Goswami goes on. This is after the. So this is his Praman verse, the main verse of this Anucheta, which will provide the evidence for the point, the philosophical point that he's trying to get across to us. Is this verse explaining the manifestation of the incarnation called Vaikuntha and his associates and the fact that he was requested by Lakshmi to also manifest a transcendental planet for their residence. I guess she just wasn't really into, you know, you can make me my own planets, like the wife saying, uh, I'm not going to live in the, what these people in this neighborhood are living in. I want, I want my own place. And I want it to my standard, and my standard is the highest standard. So, just as the self-manifestation of the Lord is called birth, similarly, the creation of Vaikuntha signifies its self-manifestation only. Again, this is Jiva's whole Sandarbha. He's telling us, when you see certain terms, understand, understand what they mean. So when you see that the Lord took birth, you know that he didn't take birth. So when you hear the word birth in relationship to the Lord you know the Lord is manifesting a form. He didn't take a birth. Similarly, (coughs) when we hear creation of a Vaikuntha planet within Scripture, there's no creation of a Vaikuntha planet. It's eternal. It, It manifests before us because that's the nature of the spiritual realm. There is no beginning and no end. Everything is eternal. Vaikuntha signifies its self-manifestation only. And not that it is artificially produced like a material object. This is because both Bhagavan and his abode are eternal. Sukadev spoke this verse with the intention of showing that Bhagavan and his abode are the same. This Vaikuntha refers only to 
that of the son of Vaikuntha. For it is well known from the second canto that the original Vaikuntha was seen by Sri Brahma before he started the work of creation. So what's Jeevas telling us here? That there's there was there was no material creation. And then Lord Brahma took birth on the lotus of Garbodakshai Vishnu. Garbodakshai Vishnu is the second manifestation of the Purusha avatars, and he's he he lays down in, a, in the Garbo Dock Ocean within the shell of a universe. So there's a lot of his manifestations because there's innumerable universes. There are innumerable manifestations of Garbo Dakshai Vishnu with innumerable Brahmas. So, You can say, well, the universal shell was without any manifestation. And here, then the planets came about later in the sequence of the manifestation of the material universe. But the Vaikuntha planet was eternal, that was manifest. The Vaikuntha refers only to that of the son of Vaikuntha. So what's being spoken of here in this verse about the Vaikuntha planet that was manifested in the universe's shell is not the same as the Vaikuntha outside on the, you know, the eternal Vaikuntha as we know it. In other words, the Lord manifested a Vaikuntha planet within the shell, and it's also eternal. But it's not, it's a different manifestation. It's basically, you understand the point? Okay. When we talk about Vaikuntha, we generally refer to the Vaikuntha realm or the spiritual realm. When here, when we see the Vaikuntha in the context of the Vaikuntha planet manifest by Vaikuntha at the request of Lakshmi, it's a, don't think of it as that Vaikuntha out there. It was a Vaikuntha within the shell of a universe. Does that make sense? Well, it's one and different, yes, yeah, but yes, it's the same nature. It's a, of the same it's, nature. When Krishna manifests a form for his prakat lila within a universe, it's still Krishna. So he can be manifest within a universe or within many universes, or, and he's also eternally manifest in the spiritual realm. That's what spiritual means. So, but the point being made here is understand it's a different manifestation of Vaikuntha. It's within a universe. The other Vaikuntha is outside of the universes. That's the point being make, made. 
It should also be known that the Vaikuntha referred to in Sri Vamana's statement, Hiranyakasipu searched for the Lord throughout his abode and not finding him, roared out of anger, is in the Swarga region. So also in the Srimad Bhagavatam in the 8th canto, 19th chapter, there's mention in the narration of Hiranyakasipu that he searched for Vishnu throughout the universe, even going to his Vaikuntha planet. That's a different Vaikuntha within, a material, within the material universe. And the Lord was there, but he couldn't find him. He didn't have the eyes to see him. But he went to the Vaikuntha planet, and he didn't realize it was spiritual. And that's a very important point that Jiva's made, or was going to make is that he didn't have the eyes to recognize it as a Vaikuntha plant, you know. So therefore, uh, he saw that Vaikuntha planet of Vishnu within the material universe as material. Yes, exactly right. And that comes up in the commentary. People go to Vrindavan and they don't recognize yeah. So again, Jiva is just pointing out for our edification that there's Vaikuntha realms manifest within material universes under different circumstances. So here we can think now of three that have come up in the narration here. The Vaikuntha of Dhruva Maharaj and the Vaikuntha that Vaikuntha made for Lakshmi and another Vaikuntha realm which is above Swargaloka within this material universe. Here, Sri Rupa Goswami clarifies, this is in refer, referring to the, uh, the first verse from the 8th canto, which is the Praman universe, verse, um, clarifies the meaning of the word kalpita. The common meaning of kalpita is imagined or created, but because, but because Vaikuntha is neither, the meaning must be taken as manifested. If Vaikuntha has either of the, oops, that's not a complete sentence. I cut off my so, it has to be understood as manifested. Same as his birth, so we understand that. You were using the phrase self-manifested earlier? I didn't understand that. The Lord doesn't need, or he doesn't need anybody's help to right. appear. The Lord doesn't, but the Vaikuntha planet needs him to manifest. Oh. Him. No, it's fully conscious. It's, okay, it, man, it manifests itself. It can manifest. Okay. But it's, it's, it's like all the other conscious entities. Oh. 
or energies in relationship to the Lord in the spiritual realm, they they manifest or do whatever service all at at uh, they're at his beck and call. He may ask or they may know in advance what he wants. That's the better servant. So. <laughs> I mean, in one sense, of course, it's his energy. So, in one sense, he's doing it, but he's not consciously doing it, right? I mean, in other words, if you go back far enough philosophically, if you were trying to explain it, It's fully caught. We have to understand everything in the transcendental realm is fully conscious and fully aware and fully in servitude to the Supreme. Okay. So it's self manifested. Yes. Yes. But, you know, Lakshmi wanted it and there it was. There it was. I mean, that's the way it is yeah. in relationship to the Lord. If there's some intent, just the intent. There's no more needed than the intent on the transcendental realm. Intent in and of itself is sufficient for all the different energies and all the different personalities to to uh, respond. The Lord is not a vis- visible to Asuras, even in the material realm when he manifests his form. The Asuras may see a form that they don't recognize it as the Lord. Um, so he, his external potency, Maya, covers their consciousness. He's there, but they're not aware. Um, and he says this in the Bhagavad Gita, 7th chapter, I am not revealed to all, for I am, for I remain concealed by Yoga Maya. This bewildered world does not recognize me as the unborn and inexhaustible. Similarly, Bhagavan's abode remains invisible to the Asuras, even if they consider it to be ordinary. This is evident from the statement of Hiranyakasipu quoted earlier. Vaikuntha is also destroyed at the time of dissolution. This was Hiranyakasipu's. Conclusion. Mm. Uh, comes out here, the commentator saying that Jiva Goswami points out that the difference between the Mahavaikuntha seen by Sri Brahma when Brahma was giving a vision of Vaikuntha prior to his work of creating the universe. He was like let in for, you know, he was given that transcendental revelation of what the spiritual realm was like. Um, but that's different again than the Vaikuntha that manifested within the material universe. Since Aranyakasipu did not go beyond the coverings of the universe, the place he visited was the Vaikuntha manifested in the material world. Therefore, Sri Jiva Goswami says that this Vaikuntha 
is within the upper planetary system, Swarga. So as we know, it's not manifested by result-oriented action. So simply, similarly, the Vaikuntha realm cannot be accessed by any material action. Um, Hiranyakasipu, we spoke about it. It's also mentioned here, because he couldn't see the Lord there, it was the same as his not going to Vaikuntha. He was on Vaikuntha within the material universe, but he didn't have the vision to see. So he might as well not have gone there in the first place. Shijiva Goswami has shown that Vaikuntha is completely transcendental and belongs to the internal nature or swarup of the Lord. It can manifest just like the Lord. Next, he will show that the Lord's associates are also part of his internal nature. So now we're moving from Jiva Goswami's discussion of the Vaikuntha realm to the Lord's eternal associates. And this is, it's expanding, Jiva is now expanding his Bhagavat Sandarbha to first of all include the Lord's Vaikuntha realm and any place that he may manifest that, even within the material universe, it's still fully transcendental. And now he's going to go on to show how his eternal associates are also fully transcendental, no matter where they manifest. Bhagavan's associates are transcendental like him. Jiva Goswami begins the 75th Anacheda. It has thus been established that Sri Vaikuntha is part of the Lord's essential nature, his swarup, his, his being, who, who he is, what he's about. You can't separate him from his, from his abode. It's part of his nature. He, he, where he lives and, and how he lives there and how, his, how that realm serves him continually, you can't look at him as independent from that because he's never independent of that. It's always where he is, serving his, his every need. So that's the Vaikuntha atmosphere. So now that explanation is going to be extended to his associates, his devotees. It has thus been established that Sri Vaikuntha is part of the Lord's essential nature. It naturally follows that the associates of the Lord, who are his inherent parts, should also be the same. This is certainly befitting for his servants. For one who lacks the consciousness of being of the same nature as the Lord 
it is not fit even to worship the deity according to the principle. One who is not of the nature of the divine should not worship the divine. Nadevo devam archayet. Certainly then, direct worship of the Lord himself requires the devotee to be directly of the same nature as the Lord. It is thus logical to conclude that the nature of the Lord's eternal associates cannot possibly be other than identical to the divine nature of the Lord. So what is that mantra you chant to become fully spiritual before you worship the deity? What is it? You told me about it. Before you enter the chamber, before you enter the deity's presence, you have to become, you have to declare yourself fully spiritual. I'm not a Brahma, I'm not a Vaishya. Is that one of the... There's two of those. There's the one um, where he said, I go in before the deities, something like one with him. Right. Beautiful clothes, you know, purified clothes. You know, there's two mantras. I'm not any of the Varnas, but then there's another one where you say that you're fully spiritualized. You're not, the body is is spiritualized, therefore I can serve you because I'm I'm fully associating with you as your servant. I'm not associating with anything in the external environment. Right? So you chant these mantras, even to do our deity worship, we're chanting to, to a, Acknowledge to the deity, I'm of your nature, so you so let me in. I declare myself fully of your nature. Did you have a Hari Mandira German, that one? I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's on the, the basic mantras. So that's what Jeeva's talking about here. Even for the deity worship, Nadevo Devam Archayet of the same nature of the deity. This may be in a different mantra that that we don't chant in our uh, liturgy. Therefore, Sri Yudhisthir says to Sri Narada, the residents of Aikuntha are devoid of bodies, senses, and life force. Regarding the Lord's associates, Jaya and Vijaya, King Yudhisthira was surprised to hear that the Lord's gatekeepers could be cursed by the Kumaras. Because he knew, Yudhisthira knew, this is not possible. These are not material personalities. No curse can affect them. Nothing material can affect them. What to speak of four little Brahmin boys coming from the material realm who have Brahminical tages, Brahminical powers, they can't affect these gatekeepers who are residents, eternal associates of the Lord. It's not possible. This means, according to Sridhar Swami, 
again, back to the commentator, great commentator on the Bhagavatam, that the Vaikuntha residents have the bodies consisting of Sudha-sattva, no material sattva, Sudha-sattva, or unalloyed being. And what's the nature of any other sattva within the material realm? It's all mixed. All the gunas are always mixed all the time. You won't find a material guna that doesn't have a little other guna in it. Okay, always mixed. The unalloyed being and no material body senses and life force which are causes for material birth. So Jiva's going on here. He's, He's showing us that the Lord's associates are also Swarup Bhuta are part of the Lord's essential nature. So the Lord has two kinds of associates. Nichasiddhas, those who are of his internal nature and have always been so. Nichasiddha, eternally perfected. And we also have Sadnasiddha, those that have gone through a purification process and are equally as pure as the Nichasiddhas. But there is some little difference. Um, the devotees worship the Lord in the form of the deity that they cannot do so without purifying their consciousness. Um, and it's a nice point here. One wouldn't serve a guest with soiled hands. So, you know, are you really going to, you have a guest, you're going to offer him a meal, you're going to do so without washing your hands if you just... You know, you just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't even come into your consciousness to to treat a guest like that. Wouldn't come into most of our consciousness to treat a guest like that. <clears throat> so that example is being used. That that the dev- the devotee becomes of the same nature as the Lord in order to serve him even in his deity form. <clears throat> Why? Because it's just common decency. <laughs> you just wouldn't you wouldn't think of serving the deity unless you were in a purified state. You wouldn't go with some soiled consciousness before the deity and and, and, and serve. Uh, upasana worship should be not only physical proximity but also spiritual or proximity in consciousness. So we worship the deity not only by going close to the deity, but also our consciousness needs to be in the same atmosphere. This does not mean ahangra hopasana. Self-worship. Right. Meditate upon oneself as the deity. Nor should one meditate on oneself as one of the eternal associates of the Lord. That's also the same consciousness. Ahangra Pohpasana. Ahangra Pohpasana. The proper consciousness we find in the 
verse chanted from the Pajavali, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gopi Bratu Pada Kamalayor Das Das Anudas. I'm not a Brahmin, Kshatriya, Vaishya, or Sudra. I'm not a Brahmachari, Gudhastra, Vanaprastra, or Sanyas. What am I? I am the eternal servant of the servant of the servant of Lord Krishna. This is called Bhuta Sudhi, or becoming free from bodily designations. This is the true meaning of becoming divine. The next Anachetas, 76, the Lord's associates are like the Lord. And we'll start there in the next class.